Okay, good morning, ladies. We want to thank our uh, sponsors for this morning's Amunashir. Abigail Alper, in loving memory of her daughter, Rachelaya Bas Chaim, and Kara Zimmerman and Susan Baker, in memory of their beloved mother, Sidel Sher. Thank you so much for your sponsorship. Okay, we continue. Actually, we are concluding today. The Nesiva Shalom, Salonim Reb, as you saw the Atorah, his Maimer He, which is on Dvekas, the concept of how to cling to God and to feel Hashem's presence in our lives all the time. And we're on Os Zion, on page Samach Zion. And uh, we'll, Mirza Hashem, finish up today. Regarding everything that we've established, right? We, we've spent several weeks, maybe months on this. But the Salam Rebbe has been developing many different means of connecting to, clinging to Hashem. Whether it's by emulating Hashem, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. You connect yourself to someone else when you imitate them. Whether it is by coming close to those closest to Hashem. Right? We talked about clinging to those who are great tamidei chachamim, tzaddikim, tzidkanios. That when you cling to those who are close to Hashem, then you too by extension feel connected. Um, we talked about Shabbos. Shabbos is a day of dvekas. We talked about the Salam Rebbe provided all of these different suggestions of how one can work on growing their sense of dvekas. And he concludes the section by reminding us the way he began. That really this is the tachlis. This is the goal of all of life. The goal of all of life is to cling to, to feel the connection with, to feel the presence of the Almighty in our lives. That's the purpose of it all. To be in a relationship. To be in a close and meaningful relationship with Hashem. And if you were looking for one unifying theme, we have Tariyag, we have 613 mitzvos. We have rules and regulations that guide our day from when we wake up till we fall asleep. And if you're looking for one uniting theme to all of Torah and mitzvos, it is to propel and to support a life of Dveikas Bashem. Right? Every single mitzvah is to be mindful, to be conscientious, to feel connected with, to rely on, to depend on Hashem. In Ruchnius and in Gashmis, whether it is realizing that the roof over our home and the car in our driveway and the food in our mouth and the health and the capacity to see and to hear and to walk, whether to recognize, you, to feel a sense of dvekas through our physical being, or Baruchnius, or spiritually, in davening and in learning and in chesed and staka. Dvekas is not inaccessible. It's not something that's so far away and distant. You say that a tzaddik and a tzaddikas and the people I read books about, they're the ones who live with that level of dvekas. But I'm just an average, lowly, what do you want from me? No, it's something that's accessible and attainable by every single human being. If simply we have the will and we have the courage and we exert the effort to care enough to be mindful as we're going through the motions of doing everything we're doing, to not just do it in a way that we're going through motions, but to do it in a way which we're connecting. And a person has to constantly engage in all of the advice and suggestions and mechanisms in order to achieve this. In other words, if somebody says, here are five things you can do and it'll get the desired result, and you claim to want that desired result, but you neglect all the five things you're supposed to be doing, then you can't really be claiming to want that desired result. There's something inauthentic, something counterfeit about your statement. You want the desired result. Because if you want the desired result, then you would do it. If you want to lose weight, but you're still eating ridiculous portions and ridiculously unhealthy food, and you sit still and never move and don't go for a walk, then stop claiming you want to lose weight. 
You want to want to lose weight. You don't want to lose weight. Right? We've talked about that in the past also. The difference between wanting to want something and wanting. We confuse the two often. We claim that which we only want to want, we claim to want. But we don't want, we want to want. How do you know if you want? How do you know what somebody wants to be doing? Look at at what they're doing. (laughs) We do what we want to be doing. So if we're not doing it, then stop claiming we want to be. We want to want to be. We hope to one day want to be. We look forward to wanting to maybe one day consider to sometime be moved to do the thing that we claim to want to do. So similarly here says with Dvekas, we have Eitzus, we have advice, we have a guide, how you grow in a sense of Dvekas. How could you be more mindful? How could you be more conscientious? How could you be more intentional with everything that we do? So if we're neglecting all of those things, clinging to righteous people, reading, listening, studying, davening, tapping into the energy and the magic of Shabbos, all the suggestions he's taken us through, and you're ignoring and neglecting them, then don't say you really want to feel Dvekas. As the Ramban says, One of the ways to live a life of Dvekas, how do you remain mindful? It's the introduction to Mesilas Hashem. The Ramchal begins his book, like no other author ever began a book, by saying, I'm saying nothing new in this book. Nothing new. Nothing new. So why should you buy the book? Because I'm saying what we all know, but tend to forget. And so if you plan on buying the book and reading it once, and retiring it to your shelf, where it will gather dust, don't bother buying the book. Because the whole efficacy of the book is to read it, and reread it, and reread it again. It's a notion of being mindful. So that's Agada, the Agadic portions of the Talmud, Sifrei, Musr, one can argue that's what davening is. I mean, why do we come back to davening three times a day? Because in between, it doesn't take long, just, just from Shachras to Mincha. In half a day, you forget this Hashem, you forget He gives you your health. You know, so you daven your heart out in the morning, and then you go through the whole day as if you're in charge, you're in control, you know, you're, you're worried, you're stressed, you're anxious, as if there's no order and purpose to the universe. And then you have to come back to Mincha in order to remember at Mincha. And then you have to reorient yourself again at Marav. That's how, that's how fickle we are. That's how easily we can lose our anchor of remembering what's important. So the Salonim Rebbe rather is saying that we fulfill the mitzvah of Dvekas when we engage in activities that reinforce Dvekas. So you say, okay, it's one of the Tariag mitzvahs, Ubotid Bakun, Ubotid Bak, repeated numerous times in the Torah. It's one of the Tariag. I have a chiv, I have an obligation of Dvekas. How do I fulfill that? I'm going to go for a walk by myself in the forest and sit and hum with my legs crossed and cling to and connect to Hashem. That's one way. You can try that. There's no forest around here, but you could try that. But, but the Salon Rebbe is saying, no, you know how you try that? When you're in the car, instead of listening to Narishkite, put on a shear. When you're sitting down and getting into bed, instead of reading some Narishkite, some stupid magazine or trashy novel, read something which is going to move you. Read a biography of a great person. Right? Again, we've talked about that also. When you read biographies of great people, it inspires you, it opens your heart, it moves you. It, it paints a picture, it creates a vision, it makes you want to be like that. So, and that's a fulfillment of Dvekas. When you lie in bed reading the biography of, 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 of Henny Machos or Rebetim Kanievsky or, or whatever great leader, Lubavitcher Rebbe or whomever, so you're fulfilling the mitzvah of Dvekas. Einzu mitzvah tluya beregesh levado. It's not just a feeling mitzvah. It's not just some... 
Because what if you say, I'm an intellectual, I'm a rasha, I'm not a feeling person. It's a constant mitzvah to continually search out all the advice which will yield, at the end of the day, a sense of closeness, reliance, feeling of connection with Hashem. And this is the anchor, this is the centerpiece. The compass of a Jewish life is that wherever life is taking you, the direction, the compass is to know you come back to Dvekas. Whatever challenges come your way, whatever hardship, whatever you have on, on, on tap that day, you look through your to-do list, you look through the obstacles you have to overcome that day, be it some financial thing you just don't know how you're going to climb out of, be it a relationship that seems to be imploding or collapsing, being in health which is in crisis and you're waiting to, to hear back from the doctor, being just a to-do list that makes you feel overwhelmed and you can't breathe. So the, what brings you back, the anchor, the compass of life is dvekus. It's to take the deep breaths that Rabbi Eli, Rabbi Eli Melech Goldberg spoke about. I missed the seminar, I was away, but I understand it was absolutely incredible. The breathe something seminar, breathe break seminar. So is to, to, is to, to do that breathing, which I assume he said, while you're doing the breathing, you're centering yourself also to remind yourself with mindfulness of what, of what matters. There's a God, He created the world, He's in charge, He's running things. There's order, there's meaning to the universe. Stephen Hawking passed away. Yeah. He was the great theoretical physicist, one of the greatest <laughs> physicists that ever lived. He was also a great atheist and anti-Semite. Right. So you will not be hearing a hesped from me. Right. <laughs> He's, the fact that someone so brilliant could come to such a mistaken conclusion, so you'll say, well, maybe I should reconsider if there's a God, because He was so brilliant and so admired, and so acknowledged, and yet he was an atheist, and maybe I'm wrong. So here's the reassuring part. He also called for boycotting Israel. So he's clearly wrong. So if he's wrong about that, he's wrong about God. Didn't he, didn't he wear a gadget? Yeah, he was only, his life was only, he was only kept alive because of Israeli technology, while yet he called for... Right? So however smart you are, that to me is one of the stupidest things I ever heard. So, again, has the world lost a great physicist? Yes, but a physicist who came to, to a horribly wrong conclusion about Israel, about the Jewish people, and about God, and about God. Einstein came to the opposite conclusion. Einstein, who was a guddle, came to the opposite conclusion. How could you understand these mysteries of the universe and not conclude? How could you see the detail, the intricacies, all that has to go right? Sun has to be exactly that distance from Earth. If we're a little bit closer, we'd all burn up. If we're a, t- a fraction further, we'd freeze over and die. Just everything about... Everything about the universe, everything about the world. So, is this Stephen Hawking? No. No. Well, no. That's no. Between him and Einstein. It could be. Although there's many non-Jews who are God-fearing, and there are many Jews, unfortunately, who are atheists. So, not not necessarily. So, so whatever one's going through in life, we have to remember to come back to that. The challenge is, and it should be simple, but it's so hard to remember. To it's like we have a pill we carry in our pocket. And as the anxiety level rises and the breathing gets more shallow and the blood pressure is exploding and our heart is beating through our chest and our sweat glands are, and we're, and we're so nervous and anxious and stressed, we forget to take the pill. The pill is called Vekas. Just remember, stick with Hashem, He's got your back. Does that mean it'll all turn out the way you want? No. Does that mean it will all turn out in a way that's pleasurable? Not necessarily. Does that mean it will all turn out well by definition? By definition, even when we don't understand it. And we learn Torah because Torah is Hashem's diary. How do we connect with Him? How do we feel close to Him? 
How do we tap into him? How do we feel his presence in our lives? Mekayim kol mitzvos. You know, when, when, you, when you read that biography, you'll find yourself, whatever biography you're reading in life, you'll find yourself going around telling people, did you know about uh, so-and-so that they did so-and-so? Did you know that at age this, this, and age that, I was just reading something on Shabbos. And, did you know Theodore Herzl died? He was 44 years old. So I'm 43. It's feeling pretty, yeah, so look, look what a person accomplishes. At such a, at such a young age. So, so I must have told that to 15 people since I read it on Shabbos. Right? I'm struggling with my own age, I guess, and what he accomplished and, and uh, one's own feeling of uh, inadequacy. But you, you, you read a biography and you can't help but want to share that with others, want to talk about it. So how do you read the biography of Hashem Yisbarach? Torah HaKadosha. When you study Hashem's Torah, that's his diary. I don't know if it's his biography, it's his diary. The Balatanya describes it, it's the description of Elokus. The Torah is the description of godliness. You see, we just read about, take Parshas Kisisa a couple weeks ago, where explicitly Hashem says, you want to know who I am and what makes me tick, and you want to win favor with me? Then follow in these footsteps and here they are. This is who I am. This is, you want a description of Elokus? You want access to my diary? You want to know what makes me tick and who I am and what I care about? You want to know what makes me angry? Nothing makes God angry. He's not a human being, but within our own terms and how we can relate. Shem says, you want to know what makes me lose my cool? This is what does it. You want to know what wins favor, what wins me back? This is how to behave. So you read Hashem's diary, you can't help but talk about it. Everyone hears or reads a great Torah and can't help but share it. Listen to this great Torah I heard. Listen to this great Vort. Listen to this great insight. So one of the ways that we keep ourselves grounded and, say, and, and, and centered is studying Torah. What we're reading, what we're listening to, what occupies our, our time. Doing mitzvahs are all there to center us. So all throughout the day, you know, you just ran out of the bathroom, everybody else runs out of the bathroom, and they're worried about the sign, employees must wash their hands, right? <laughs> We should have a sign. People of faith must remember to thank Hashem everything just went smoothly. Right? Until it, until it doesn't. So whether it's having just gone to the bathroom, whether it's before you eat or after you eat, whether it's a reminder to daven, or whether it's <clears throat> special mitzvahs of the time, the dalad minim or the shofar or the menorah, or, or cleaning the house for Pesach. You know, take that example. One can go through the exercise of cleaning the house with Pesach with misery and, and uh, frustration and resentment and anger and bitterness. I once wrote an article, supposed to have bitter herbs, not bitter people, about how we overclean and, and, and we're doing too much. But one can go through it that way, or you can go through it, and the search for chametz within your home is a search for the chametz within your heart. And as you're cleaning out your children's rooms, instead of being furious about all the wrappers you found under the bed of the food and the, and the drawer and the candies and the pockets, you're, you're, you're thinking about your own children and their neshama and the chametz in their lives and in their heart and what you're cleaning out and what you hope and you wish and you dream and you aspire for them and how you want them to do it with you because they have to take personal responsibility for the physical chametz and for the spiritual chametz in their lives. And that's the search for chametz is a search for Chametz represents the Yitzhahara, and represents arrogance, and it represents temptation, and it represents a million and one different things. So it's all the attitude that we bring. Right? We talked about it a couple weeks ago, that we imbue the potato kugel and the challah with either the energy of misery or the energy of Kedusha, of Shabbos. And the same is true with everything. So mitzvahs are etzus ludvekas bashem. 
Every mitzvah is a pathway to feel dveikus with Hashem. You could have Jewish music or a shir playing while you're cleaning for chametz, cleaning for Pesach, and you're cleaning with a joy because you're, you're imagining your home becoming pure, you're purging all of the negative influence and negative energy, you're trying to reset and restore each member of your family and yourself to, to be on the path of being the best version of ourselves. I mean, there's such positive thinking that, and I, again, I don't, I don't do the cleaning for chametz, so it's easy for me to say. <laughs> um, although I do plenty... I do plenty of Pesach preparation too, um, more than most men in, in, in my own way. Um, but again, it, it's, it's a notion of intentionality to everything that we're doing. You could shake the lulav and esrog and be, I just want to avoid hitting the guy in front of me in the back of the head. You could shake the lulav and esrog and be thinking about the deeper meaning of what it represents. Every mitzvah is an invitation to dvekas. It's an opportunity to connect. Just like lahavdil in human relationships, Every request that one party makes of the other is an invitation to feel closer. And if you don't do it, then you feel distanced. Or if you do do it, but you do it begrudgingly, then what was the point of doing it? So if I say to you, could you pick this up? Or could you take out the garbage? Or do you mind helping me with this thing? Or can I talk to you right now? Or can you make me time? If you say no, for sure it yields a greater sense of distance. If you say yes, which took sacrifice, we talked about yesterday in the Pasha class, the root of the word korban is karov that the way you feel close to people is a willingness to offer a sacrifice, to compromise, to give up your time, your energy, your resources, to give up what you want to be doing right then. When you offer korbanos, when you're willing to sacrifice and compromise, the result is you feel karov. The result is that you feel close. So, but if you're going to do it already, do it with, so, so you know, I gave the example yesterday in the Pasha class. You're both in bed, it's late at night, everyone forgot to take out the garbage, next morning is garbage day, your spouse says to you, could you take out the garbage? You finally just exhaled your day. Now you gotta put something on, make your way to the front, schlep the garbage out. So you could do it with misery, you could do it with, you know that you jumped out of bed and said, no problem, honey, I got this. You st- I want you to stay. So then that act itself can be imbued with, with a contribution to a relationship. It's all the intention, it's the mindfulness. We live in a mindless world and a mindless generation. Because our technology and the noise and the, there's just so much filling our head. Social media, the news cycle, the worry, the anxiety, the space to have the clarity to bring intention to everything that we do, it's, it's, it's literally killing us. I mean, if you look at the, the studies and you see the health impact of a lack of mindfulness, it's literally killing us. The whole rhythm of the Jewish calendar the rhythm of the Jewish calendar is invitations to cling to Hashem. That's what it is. So, Shabbos. Shabbos is our, every single Shabbos. Shabbos is the Jewish answer, renewable energy. Disconnect in order to connect. What was it last week? Who sent me? Penny sent me an article. Was, uh, what was it, last Friday? Yeah. It was, it was designated as Disconnection Day or something. I don't remember. National whatever day. But the world is learning that if we don't disconnect, then we're going to die. So every Shabbos we disconnect in order to reconnect. Reconnect and reorient to that which matters and to that which is important. So Shabbos is a rhythm, right? Just six days, just battle through for six days. And the seventh day you get to reconnect, re-energize. Every Yantif, the Yom Tovim are called, Shalosh 
Regalim. It means a leg, legs to stand on. It, it supports us. The fact that we look forward to the next regal, or we're supposed to look forward mm-hmm. to the next regal, is because that regal, friends, family, experience, the Seder, the, the, the Yontif, the Pesach, as much as we love to complain about the matzah, but the change in the home and, and the feeling of, 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 of resetting and renewing. But the word regel also comes from the word hergel, which means a habit, a pattern. The Chalban says, Chaim Kohn says, that the Shalash Regalim are how we break the hergel. Right? We, we start to, inertia starts to carry us through the year. The momentum carries us through the year. I can't tell you the difference between March or February or January or December. It's all one big blur. All I know is every day I woke up, tried to earn a living, get the kids to school, keep everyone healthy, pay the bills, make it to the end of the day, start again the next day. Right? That's for some others. It's wake up, get to all my doctor's appointments, get to the end of the day, be able to walk across the room, walk across the room on my own two feet, fill my prescriptions, whatever. So everyone, depending on where you are in life, but we have different sets of momentum and inertia and schedules, and they all blend together. I can't tell the difference between the beginning of the week and the end of the week, this week from the last week, this month from the last month, and the next thing I know, 10 years have gone by, and I don't even remember a difference in those 10 years. That's a miserable life. Yeah. There's a great quote, I forget who the author was, but don't live the same year 70 times and call it a life. Right? That it's just, so for us, it's just these years blend together, you know? What changes is what we see in the mirror, but everything else seems to, <laughs> seems to blend together. So the Shalash Regalim, he says, are to break that sense of Hergel. Break the habit. Break the rote. Break the ritual. And get a fresh start, new. I forgot which Gadol I recently read about, who every year would buy himself a new sitter. A new sitter. Not a new sitter of the same, you know, the same Art Scroll, RCA sitter, just a new one. But meaning a new sitter. Because the, topog- the, the, the type on the page, and the, and the font size, and the layout, and the cover, it just would feel different. And that brings a new, okay, I'm reading something new. I'm turning different pages. It's a different size. It's a different, it's, it's new. It's new. It's new. We do that sometimes when we're miserable. We have a new look. A new haircut. New hair color. Not, neither apply to me, but a new uh, whatever. New clothing, a new shopping, a new look. Right? right? Why? Because we're trying to break out. We break out of feeling depressed or down or and break out. It's new. So some do that with a new sitter, some do it with a new shaito, some do it with a new uh, face, new car, some do it with a new relationship, some do it with new whatever. As my friends from Israel said, don't drive from the same sitter every day. It doesn't necessarily have to be a new sitter, but right. a different sitter that you Keep different sidurim and mix it up. Yeah. And it does. It gives you a different perspective because right. it changes your life. It shakes you up. It, yes, it just yes. it, it feels different. So that's the shalash for Gullim, or to break the, the hergel. The Shalash Regalim are, are points, milestones devoted in our calendar to stop the rote, the momentum, to break it up and to reevaluate. Say, stop. Am I living an intentional life? Am I using the time the way I want to be using my time? Hachodesh Hazalachem. This week is Parshas Hachodesh. Time. Our ability to control in time is the definition of freedom. A slave has no control of the time. A free person does. Am I using my time the way I want to use my time? Are my relationships where I want my relationships? How is my health? Right, we talked about the ma'aral, the three spheres of relationships. Between me and God, between me and man, between me and myself. The most neglected is the one between me and myself. How is my relationship between me and myself? How is my emotional health, my physical health, my spiritual health? How am I doing? Not in an egocentric, narcissistic, how am I in the world that's about me, but how am I, because if I want to be better for the world, then 
I have to be better for the world. I have to be better for myself. Yeah. Right? The greatest asset you have to contribute to the world is yourself. And if you don't take care of it, it doesn't matter what other contributions you're making, you can't give to the world the way you want. So Shabbos, HaChagim, Azmanim, Maracha, Achasema. They're all part of one schedule, one, one theme, one rhythm. There's Manim, Mesugalim. They're dedicated times. Lehistabik, Bahem, El Habori, Isparach. Each one brings its own theme, but all of them have in common reconnecting. Metar, Medosov, Bebechines, Mahu, Nekro, Racham, Avatar, Racham. Misrachik, Mikina, Taiva, Vekavod. So you know what? I'm, I'm too envious. I've been pursuing honor. I really need to reinvent myself. Why? Why am I trying to get away from envy, honor, and desire? First of all, they ruin my relationships, but they also ruin my relationship with Hashem. If I'm pursuing honor, I'm not giving honor to God. If I'm giving in my temptations, I'm not prioritizing my life by what Hashem wants me to be doing. And if I'm living a life of envy of others, I don't believe Hashem has really given me what I need. Any sense of self, the anochios, that I exist, that I am independent, that I, the ego, the ego is the biggest obstacle to any relationship with others and with Hashem. The reason that you should be able to overcome your taiva is not because you have fear of the consequence. It's not worry that lightning's going to strike or bad things are going to happen. That shouldn't be why. I was going to share the juicy Lashon Hara, but I really don't want to miss the flight next week. I was going to do X, but I'm so afraid that Hashem is going to make me sick. That's, what. That's not a relationship. A relationship is, the reason I'm not doing that wrong thing is, I don't want to be distant from Hashem. I want to feel close to Him, and that would be a great disappointment to Him. We want our children not to sneak out and do A, B, or C, not because they say, oh, if I get caught, I'm going to be grounded, I'm going to lose my phone. We want them to not do that because they say, if I did that and my mother found out, my father found out, they would be devastated. I could never hurt them like that. I would never want to upset them. Even if I don't, I want to sneak out. I want to do what all my friends are doing. I see nothing wrong with it. That's really where I want to be. But I know that that's not what the expectation of my parents and they would be devastated. That, as a parent, is that not our hope for our children? Is that even if you don't see it, and even if you don't want it, and even if you don't care about it, but for me, it would devastate me, don't do it. That's my expectation of you. So the Rebona Shalom says the same thing about us. And to try to sanctify ourselves, even with that which is permissible. Because every physical indulgence, which is not there to reinforce or elevate a spiritual goal, Distances us, distances us from Hashem. As it says, So if we use all these etos, so we are concentrating on being spiritual people, not only defining ourselves as physical, right? We're living a life that we remember that we are a soul who has a body, not a body that has a soul. And we are studying Torah. And we are tapping into the different energy of the holidays, Shabbos, and the rhythm of the holidays, and breaking the rote and the habit. And we are purifying our midos, so that we have no envy. Why? Because we realize Hashem has given us what we need. And we don't seek honor. Why? Because Hashem is the one who deserves all the honor. What am I? I would be nothing without Him. And if we're doing all these things, what's the result? We feel close to Hashem. 
When I sit in the darkness, Hashem is the light for me. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? You're right there with me. No matter what's going on in my life, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what hardship, no matter what challenge, you're right there with me. So believing in Hashem, a life of Amunah Bitachon Tveikos, does not mean you'll never find yourself in Gates Amavas, in the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't mean that you don't suffer any challenges or hardship. Of course we all do, that's part of the world, it's the way the world operates and works. But it means that Kiata Imadi. But what determines if Hashem is with you? Not Him. We all wait for that. Hashem, show me a sign you're here. Hashem, why can't I feel your presence in my life? That you are with me is up to us. When we live with that mindfulness, that intention, when we live with that feeling. And even in the moments where this is not an actual feeling, a tangible feeling that Hashem is in the room, Hashem is with me. Because you're not always going to be on that spiritual high. You won't always have that, intention, that in, in, intense feeling. And here he's ending our section with an incredibly important insight. It's actually the way we began today. Even when you don't feel Hashem there, want to want to feel Hashem there. Even when you're struggling with your Amunah and Bitachon, even when you're struggling with your Dveikos, you're going through something where it's hard to feel His presence, you, 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 something has occurred in your life, or just stop, you're in a rut, and it's hard to feel on fire. If you, if you want to hope to be back, then maintain the want to want. When you give up the want to even want, when you don't even aspire to a life of Dveikos, a life of Amunah and Bitachon, then you're in trouble. There's a great Chabad, Nigan. Samalachanafshi is a great video of the Rebbe singing this on, uh, online. Samalachanafshi, David Amalach said, Samalachanafshi, my soul, Sama, it, it thirsts for you. Mm-hmm. You know when you're really thirsty, you just need that glass of water? It's so hot outside, you just came in from an activity and you're so thirsty. It's insatiable, you have this tremendous thirst. David HaMelech described that his neshama, his nefesh, had a thirst for Hashem. Kamalach HaBesari, my basar, my guf, my body, longs for you. In a land that's barren, tired, with no water. Kishaya Meruchak, Uvamidbar Yehuda, David HaMelech was describing, I was in the spiritual desert, barren, no energy of connecting to you. Blishum Lachluchis Tikdusha, there was no moisture of holiness. He said, at least there, I didn't have water to drink. I was in a spiritual desert, barren, with no way to connect to you. But what at least did I have? I had samalacha. I had the thirst. I had the want to want. At least I retained my thirst, my desire. Even when we don't feel connected, at least we should want to feel connected. You know, in a relationship... There are times that the relationship goes through a rut. A husband and wife can go through a rut. They don't feel close. There's not a a connection. There's not a warmth. There's not a drive. There's not a longing. They're in a rut. They're in a rut. The question is, do each of them still, though, want to get back to the good times? Even if they're in the rut, and even if they don't know how, but is there the longing, is there the ambition to want to connect? 
Because if they've disconnected to the point that the relationship is just now indifferent, you know, psychologists will tell you that indifference in a relationship is the kiss of death. Mm-hmm. If, there's, if there's fighting, at least there's passion. <laughs> if, if, there's, if there's indifference, it's the kiss of death. So that Simaon, that Samalacha Nafshi, even when I, I'm in the midbar, Be'eretz Sia Ve'ayef, Kush Baruch I'm in a place that's, that's barren, but I have that Simaon, I'm Samalacha Nafshi, I have that thirst, I have that desire, I long to reconnect. The, uh, this week is Rosh Chodesh, mm-hmm. Friday night Shabbos is Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Gemara says, Benisan Nigalu, Benisan Asidan Lehigael. In the month of Nisan, we were redeemed. And in the month of Nisan, we will be redeemed once again. And the understanding usually is that how were we redeemed in the month of Nisan? We, the Exodus, liberation from Egypt, 210 years of oppression and persecution, and it ended. Hashem miraculously took us out. So just like He took us out of that misery then, Mirza Hashem, in the month of Nisan, we should experience Geula, redemption, personal, individual, and collective national again. But Rabbi Soloveitchik said that's not the Pshat. That's not what Chalim Chazal were referring to. What were they referring to? Benisan Nigalu. So we know at the beginning of Nisan, we're going to celebrate, by not saying Tachanan for those first days, but the fact that this was within the sea and brought the Karbanos. This was the inauguration of the Mishkan. The Mishkan was complete, and these dates correspond with when the Mishkan, when the tabernacle was inaugurated, when it began to function. What does that have to do with Geula? How is that Benisan Nigalu? So the, the Rav pointed to the Ramban in his introduction to Sefer Shmos. We begin this week, Sefer Vayikra. But the Ramban in his introduction to Sefer Shmos says, Sefer Shmos is the Sefer of Golas to Geula. That's the Sefer. It's the story of our transition from Golas to Geula. So Golas, I understand. Sefer Shmos begins, Vayaka Melachadash. A new king arose and we were persecuted and killed and turned into bricks and slave labor, exterminated. I got it, Golas. Where's the Geula? At the end of Sefer Shmos, where are we? We're in the desert. So where's the Geula? How could the Ramban suggest that Sefer Shmos is the, is the journey from Galas to Geula? Where's the Geula at the end of Sefer Shmos? We're not in Israel. So the Ramban says that's not Geula. Geula is a geographic thing. right? We long to return to our homeland. Eschalta de Geula, the modern miracle of the state of Israel, and so on and so forth. There's a component of Geula which is geographic. But Geula ultimately is not about location. You know what Geula is about? The Ramban says Geula is Hashra'as Hashchina. It's the divine presence resting here on earth. Dira Betachtonim. It's when we bring God down to earth, when we give Him a place, and when we feel Him intensely in our lives. Says the Ramban, Galas and Geula are not physical descriptions, even of bondage to freedom, or of diaspora, exile to Israel. That's not Galas to Geula. Gullus is Stephen Hawking. Gullus is being lost. Gullus is being so wrong. Gullus is when you think that there is no God, there's no creator, there's no meaning, order, purpose to the universe. When you worship the Big Bang and you worship physics, when you think that we're here as the result of randomness and chance and there's no greater purpose to life, that's living a life of Gullus. That's living a life of exile. And what's Gaula? Gaula is feeling Hashem's presence. Gaula is submission. Gula is concession. Gula is recognition. There's a creator. Wow. This incredible world has someone operating it. And the things that happen to me, the good and the bad, and even the ugly, it may be painful, but it's all from Hashem and it's all for a reason. And when a person can feel lifne Hashem, 
you've experienced Geula. Now the Geula is you could be Begates Almavas. You could be in the valley of the shadow of death, but the Geula is Ata Imadi. As long as Hashem is with me, I have redeemed myself. At APAC, Natan Sharansky spoke with his daughter, he was interviewed by his daughter. It was amazing, he's one of all of our heroes. Or recently, uh, um, Yosef Mendelovich, who spoke here at the shul. These individuals, in the worst gates Almavas, but they had the geula of feeling Hashem Imadi. How many do we know Holocaust survivors who in Auschwitz and in the worst circumstance, they were in the depths of gates Almavas, but they felt kiata Imadi. And the Nazis might have put them in a physical gullus, but they were in a spiritual geula even before they were ever liberated. So Ramban says, Gaulus to Geulus, Sefer Shmos is the story, the journey from being in Egypt and worshipping like the Egyptians and being in the 49th level of Tummah and forgetting that there's a God to by the end having a Mishkan, having Karbanos, having a place where you come, Hashras Hashem. So says the Rav, Nisan Nigalu, in the month of Nisan we were redeemed. Having nothing to do with the physical liberation from Egypt, but having everything to do with we found Hashem. Benisan Nigalu, we felt His presence in our life. Benisan Nigalu, we redeemed, we stopped worshipping ourselves. You know, when you think that you're in control, and you put the pressure on yourself to think that you can solve everything, you can control everything, you can manipulate and influence everything. That is a, a pressure and a burden that makes you collapse. It's unattainable. And it, and it just it, it puts you into depression. And when you let go, you know, in AA they have an expression, let go, let God. When you let go and let God, phew, that's a gazillion dollar weight off, a gazillion pound weight off your shoulder. When you let go and let God, that's ge'ula. That's hashra sashchina. You've let Hashem into your life. The, the whole 12-step therapy, which is so successful, is predicated on submitting to a higher power. Believing in a higher power. Because when you let God into your life, you've experienced ge'ula. You've let go. You submit to a higher power and now you've, you've let go and you've let God and now you've unburdened yourself. Now you could live your life. Does that mean everything's going to be smooth sailing and easy and pleasant and pleasurable? Not at all. But it means now you don't have to turn to drugs or alcohol or, 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 or town center mall or whatever your vice is. You don't have to turn to it because Hashem kiata imadi. So mir Hashem benisan nigalu we redeemed the nisan. And Benisa Nasidinli Gael, if we can live a life of Tvekas and welcome Hashem into our lives, then we can experience Kaula once again. Are we on for next week? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, okay. okay. Mirza Hashem will be on for next week.